All right, since uh, I mentioned this during the open mic time, I'm going to briefly share uh, a little bit of a testimony that happened uh, just this past week. And it has to do with a diamond ring. It has to do with an engagement ring. As you know, I've, I've been engaged, I'm married, uh, happily married, and about 23 years ago on Valentine's Day, um, that was the big engagement day for me and Caroline, that I asked Caroline to marry me and presented her with this diamond ring, and, and it was glorious and beautiful, and she said yes, and um, what happened this past week is the diamond in that ring fell out of the band itself. Let me repeat that. Her diamond fell out of the ring. She's folding clothes. She's in our bedroom, and, and she, she lets out this scream. Oh, my God, Troy, come, come in here. Something, something, something. It got muffled. I couldn't tell. I ran in there, and she's in tears, and she's showing me her band, which looks a lot like this one, and there's no diamond there. Um, that's a moment of deep sadness. That's a moment of despair. And immediately, uh, we, we went to our knees and prayed, but we also went to our knees with iPhone flashlight in hand, uh, scuffling around on the carpet, literally on the wood floor of the carpet. The carpet is, is white in our bedroom. It has a sheen to it. So we're, we're almost like frustrated that it's so, the carpet's so shiny, we're not going to be able to find this diamond which is adding to our uh, despair, but also hope of God, please show us this diamond. Uh, she mentions that maybe yeah, it, it's in the, um, the bathroom sink. You know, sometimes you wash your hands and there goes the ring down the sink. So I'm in there and basically tear out the sink almost, looking for it, no ring, nothing. Um, she's confident though she came in the house with it. So back to the bedroom we go. Uh, we're getting ready uh, to go to sleep because we're just exhausted and we're just to that point where, God, we don't understand, but we're just going to leave this with you and we've got to get some sleep. And um, so we're getting in bed and uh, are about to get in bed and we, we pray one last time, God, please show mercy. Please, please provide. Please, please give us the diamond back. And um, Caroline, this is the change in the story. Caroline looks down um, and I don't know how she could see through her tears, but she looked down and she saw the diamond in the white carpet, beckoning her, calling her back to itself. Like, I'm right here. And uh, just, just that moment, guys, uh, just of thinking, this story's going to end. It's going to be bad. I don't understand it. God, why would you be letting this happen? And yet we... We, we, we rejoiced. I think we woke everyone up in our house <laughs> almost late at night. And just that party, uh, that, that moment of celebration. And I'm just trying to communicate how uh, we are those precious jewels to, to God the Father. God the Father knows exactly where we are if you feel lost or you feel hidden or you feel forgotten or you feel like you're never going to be found or noticed. We are those precious jewels, precious, pricely, very, very, very much loved by God. So let, let that encourage you. Um, we're going to take Caroline's ring and get it uh, refastened. <laughs> we're looking for a good jeweler if you know someone. But um, 
Let me let that story catapult us into today's I am statement of Jesus. Jesus says, and this one is perhaps the most outrageous of all of them that we've been looking at. I say outrageous, it's true, what he says is true, but it definitely warrants your attention, uh, definitely warrants your emotions, your intellect, and he says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Jesus is saying nothing less here than he himself indeed is divine. He himself is the way in which we're going to know God. So today you'll you'll see some notes that I've printed out there for for you in, in in the worship bulletin. And this very first one is not info. You might write that down as you see a little blank there. So Jesus as the I am the way, the truth, and the life, he's not trying to give you information about God, but intimacy with God. There's a huge difference. Jesus is not trying to just give you information about God or tell you, hey, if you do these right steps or if you do this with your morality, then you can know God. He's trying to show us what a personal relationship with Jesus looks like. Uh, The second point that's made there, I'll go ahead and make all three points and we'll come back and unpack each of them. But that second point that's there is Jesus is not here to give us rules but relationship. Uh, Not rules, but relationship. And then the third point we're going to try to make is not exclusivity, but inclusivity. All right, so so if I asked you what was the most common objection to Christianity right now, You might be thinking of a non-Christian friend of yours. Uh, You might even be thinking of yourself before you came to faith in Christ. What is the major objection towards Christianity? What would you say? How would you answer that question? Ones that I've heard is uh, the, the judgmentalism, the arrogance, the bigotry among Christians. That's one of my major objections. It's not Jesus. It's not God. It's those darn Christians. It's the church. That's my biggest objection towards Christianity, someone might say. They're closed-minded. They're so exclusive. Or you might have heard someone say, all major religions are equally valid and basically teach the same thing. Or each religion sees a part of spiritual truth, but no one can see the whole truth. Come on. That gets us into our passage. Let me read it for you. John chapter 14, verses 1 through 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me to where I'm going. Thomas said to him, oh, I've lost my place. Verse four. Verse four, thank you. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, 
I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been been among you for such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe in me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Let's just pause. Let's pause and ask God to speak to us in this time. Father God, we, we, we do. We pray. We have many different backgrounds. We have uh, lots of things going on, competing for our attention. And the thing that's true of all of us is none of us have it all together. So we pray right now that you would speak to us and that you would show us, teach us what this means, that you are the way, the truth, and the life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, not info, but what do we say? Intimacy. Not info, but intimacy. Verse 6, when Jesus says, I am the way, to what? What is Jesus the way to? And that's the very thing that we're trying to underscore here, is that Jesus is not saying that he's the only way to have goodness in your life. There's a lot of people that have goodness in their life, and they don't have intimacy with Jesus. There's a lot of people that have a successful career, a successful marriage, a happy, quote-unquote, life, uh, except no Jesus in their life. So when Jesus says in verse 6, I am the way, he's meaning intimacy in your relationship with God. It means that your relationship with God goes from being distant to one that's very close, If any of you are a mother or a father, uh, if you've ever had children, you know how very uh, very much of a blessing it is to be a father or a mother and and how you would do anything for those kids. Uh, You're frightened by how much you love those kids. (laughs) There is no length to which you would go for that kid. Yes, you might get upset with that kid. Yes, you might get frustrated with that kid. But that kid never thinks that you're going to disown them. That they're not going to carry on your name and be truly a part of that family. That's what intimacy looks like. It also means that your relationship goes from being professional to personal. It goes from being professional to personal. And many of us may treat God as like a boss, I got to impress my boss. I have a review coming up real soon. I really need to show off so that I can show the boss how well I'm doing and how I can earn my keep around here so that I'm still part of this organization or this business. 
And in terms of our relationship with God, it goes from that. God does not want us to view him like a boss that's coming after us or has high demands on us and wants us to experience uh, being a friend. Being a friend that Jesus, and we sang about this, I'm a friend of God. Jesus being the way means that he's not a, a boss or an employee. He's laid his life down for us. I've suffered, Jesus is saying. I've suffered so that I can have you. You're like that precious jewel that we lost earlier this week. And I have searched and searched and searched, and I found you. I went to great lengths to find you, he's saying. So Jesus is the only way to that type of intimacy with God. So when Jesus says, I am the way, he's not merely making a suggestion. He's not saying, if, if you want to get close to God, try this one out. It might work for you, and I hope it does. No, he's saying, this is the only way to have true intimacy with God. No one else, and I want you to be thinking about this with me, personally and also uh, about friends that you and I have. Who else is making this kind of claim We call it an outrageous claim of Jesus to say that I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Who else can make such a claim to promise and provide intimacy between us and God? Who else? Who else is doing that, making that claim? The second thing this means is we're not talking about rules. Jesus is not coming to bring rules, but a relationship. And we say, well, what about Buddhists or Buddhism? Or what about... about uh, Muslim or um, Jesus says, okay, that's fine. Let's talk about that. Let, let's talk about that. Is, is there anyone else? Is there any religious leader? Is there any prophet from of old? Is there any modern day person? Is there any person that you can think of that has ever said, I am God come to earth in the flesh? Those are, I mean, I'm not making that up. We're just dealing with what Jesus is saying here in this great I am statement. Who else has ever made such a claim that I walk among you to be tortured? I walk among you to pay the penalty for your sin? I take hell into my own soul on your behalf so that you can stand before God as righteous in His sight. Who else is making such a claim? Is there any other religion saying that God would suffer like that on your behalf? Jesus is saying, well, what what I'm about is not a mountain of righteousness that you've got to climb. Good luck. Rather, I've climbed it for you. I've climbed it for you. I've done the work for you. So, So in summary, Jesus didn't come to show us how to strive to be good enough. See, that's rules. He's fulfilled the rules. And now out of a relationship changes the way we view following him and his laws towards obedience. It's out of joy. So how how is uh, Jesus different when we say the way? Jesus is claiming to be God. I don't know how else to summarize it here. When even, even those verses that we read when he's talking to those listeners, that the Father, that is God the Father, is in me, and I am in the Father. The beautiful unity 
that Jesus is sharing with God the Father, that Jesus is claiming nothing else other than his own divinity. He's God. Uh, I am unique about salvation, Jesus is saying. He claims to be a savior, a redeemer. He's not just a good teacher and a good person. So in saying that he's the way, he's so much more than you and I can even put our minds around and imagine. That's the claim. When he says, I'm the truth, he means that uh, he's not just sharing the optimism that other religions have about your morality or your attempt at morality to be good enough. He's saying, no, I am the truth. I am the truth. I'm not your version of the truth. I'm perhaps not even what you think of when you think of truth. But I am the truth. I am the truth. If I am the bread of life, the light of the world, if I'm the thread that when you pull it, it untangles the knot of your life. I mean, that's what he means when he says, I am the truth. All the tangled mess that I find myself in right now, or you find yourself in right now, the worry that we do, the stress that we go through, the fear that we're constantly living under, Jesus in saying, I'm the truth, that's the invitation that we're being given. How might I see and depend on and look to Jesus as my truth, as my reality, that then shapes how I go about all the other things? Jesus says, I am the life. And notice that Jesus didn't come just to make your career better. Jesus didn't just come so that you might be a happy person and eat the kind of food that we want to eat and have free time when we want to have it. Uh, He's saying here basically that I came to give you life, life, so much deeper than all the aforementioned. And the disciples said in front of those wanting to kill them, we saw it, you saw it, he was crucified, he, he died, he was buried, and he rose to give us life. So what's the real question? What's the real question? It's not Jesus versus Muhammad. It's not Jesus versus Buddha. I think it's Jesus versus you. I'll say it again. I think it's Jesus versus you. I think of my own testimony and all the objections I remember having about Christianity. And when finally became a Jesus follower, someone asked me, oh, so what religion were you? And I could have spouted off a number of them as different, you know, global class citizens we may do. But here's the real religion I had. It was me. It was me. I think Jesus is so profoundly, uniquely gifted in dealing with each of us to know who is it and what is it that's on the throne of your life. So it's Jesus versus you. That's what it really comes down to. It's Jesus versus Versus you. This is Jesus' ability versus you. I consider this last one here with me. Not exclusivity, but inclusivity. That Jesus saying he's the way, in fact, he's the only way to God the Father, may sound like and appear like, oh, Christianity's being so inclusive. Got to be one of them to... No, no. Christianity is the most inclusive. (laughs) The most inclusive here. Look at verse 9 and verse 12. Jesus says, anyone, anyone who believes in me 
This is the same inclusion in all of the other I am statements that we've been reading and studying and discussing. And that perhaps you're in conversations with, with your friends as they begin to think about this Jesus. Uh, two ways that Jesus is the most inclusive, I'll just name a couple of them for the sake of time. The first one is, Jesus allows the weakest to come to him. Jesus allows the weakest to come to him. First of all, uh, most religions are not doing that. It's a, you better have your stuff together, you better have a great moral life, your things better be in order as it comes to your relationship with God. Um, some, some people say, I, I think um, any good person can find God. But what about the bad person? What about the bad person? And that, th- this is the inclusivity of Jesus, that Jesus would dare to include the bad person in his death on the cross for bad people, for sinners like us. This is about grace. This is about including those that, yeah, don't deserve God's mercy and God's grace. Because it's not about that. And when you begin to read the New Testament and reread the New Testament, oh my goodness, that the bad people began to love Jesus. Did they not? And it was the good people that ran away from Jesus. They were too good for Jesus. They didn't need Jesus. Jesus, in fact, said, if, if you can't even say that you need a physician, I can't help you. You're already good on your own. Take care of it yourself. So Christianity is incredibly inclusive because Jesus allows the weak among us to come. Second of all, Jesus slays a superiority complex. That's what happens here within Christianity. Jesus creates a spirit of humility within a follower, that you are indeed truly saved by grace. Nothing else but God's grace has saved you. That's inclusivity. That God would take people who are, who are far off and would include them and bring them into his family. So it's total nonsense to feel superior to anyone. Doesn't this speak into racism? Doesn't this speak into classism? Isn't this an incredible, uh, not only argument, but lifestyle that Jesus is inviting us into? There's no room for superiority when you think about a colleague or, or, or a spouse or a brother or a sister. Now how, how, how do you speak with those that you disagree with? How do we speak to those people when we truly disagree uh, with them? And I, and I ask, have we forgotten the gospel? Have we forgotten the way that God interacts with us with unspeakable patience and kindness? Application. A couple applications here as, as we close. Are, are you like Philip in this story, asking for more information? Philip has been with Jesus a couple of years. Show us the way to the Father. You have a lot of information, Philip, but you've missed the main point. And I ask, have you, have you bought into just do these busy things and you'll be a Christian? Have we bought into that? If I just do these things, I'm, I'm going to be a good Christian. Do, you know, do we need to reconnect intimately with Christ? That's the application. It means take this afternoon, take tomorrow morning, take a moment each day and just 
connect. Connect with Jesus. Connect with this I am. This is the portal. This is the, we said this a couple weeks ago. This is the door by which we get intimacy with God. And, and it's the door that we travel through to get to all the other stuff. Our career, our sexuality, our money, our schedules, everything is going through this way here. I am the way, the truth, and the, and the life. Another application is a question, and, it, and, I, and I ask, are, are you, or am I, like many others, using the wrong end of the portal? Using morality as a way to reach God? Thinking you have to make changes in your life first? Thinking you need to change your relationship, change your sexuality, change the way you spend your money, your plans? And we all know that that leads to frustration when we use that end of the portal. But it's an encouragement to come to the portal of Jesus and approach the other things through Jesus saying he's the way. What that means for you practically is this week when you're making decisions, when you're really seriously thinking about how you're going to grow your business or how you're going to practice law or how you're going to be uh, a person looking after kids and that's your job, whatever Christ has called you into as your profession. This is what it means in those moments as we're making decisions. Jesus, how are you my way right now? How are you my truth right now? And how are you my life right now as I make this decision? I just want to close here with, with, with again, coming back around to that story that I shared at the very beginning, that, that you truly are God's prized possession. That Jesus has gone to greatest lengths for you. Jesus did not hold back when he expressed his love for me and for you and for the sins of the entire world. That he laid down his life for you. Jesus is basically saying, I'm the bridge. I'm the bridge. Walk across my back that's what gets you to God the Father. And if we've forgotten that, let's just come back to the simplicity of this good news of the gospel. Let's take a moment now and, and ask God to remind us. Father God, please remind us of your grace. Please remind us, Lord Jesus, that you indeed are the way. We right now think of the way in which you brought us to faith in Christ. And, and we say, hallelujah, thank you, Lord Jesus, for your grace and mercy. And we think of a friend, perhaps. We call them by name right now. And we ask that you would indeed, you would indeed bring them also to yourself, that they might know God the Father. Lord Jesus, we worship you. We thank you. We thank you that you would say, come to me, walk across my back. Know the Father and experience love, love, love. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.